A farmer plants a tree in the ground with the expectation of a future harvest. But when harvest time comes, the tree bears no fruit, yielding deep disappointment in the farmer's heart. Life can also be full of disappointments. Do unmet expectations challenge your trust in the goodness of God? Centuries ago, the prophet Habakkuk refused to let that happen. He writes, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Three Kinds of Faith on this Friday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. I'm Brian Davis, always glad to have you with us. In chapter one of Habakkuk, the prophet speaks of a confused faith, one with more questions than answers. In chapter two, he talks about a waiting faith. Today, Ron takes us to the good news found in chapter three, in which the prophet reaches a point of triumphant faith. Stay with us now as Ron continues his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible, or visit somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, check out Something Good Television, Something Good Courses, Something Good Travel, and the new Something Good Digital Library. That's where you can search for biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. Now here's Ron with part two of his message, Habakkuk, why? God. Chapter 2 and verse 4, it echoes. It echoes all the way through the New Testament. It even echoes in church history because that same phrase sparked what's known as the Protestant Reformation. The righteous shall live by faith. In 1510, a Catholic priest named Martin Luther made a long journey from his home to Rome, which priests often did during that time. He came to Rome where he visited the Church of St. John Lateran. Catherine and I were in Italy a couple of years ago for our 25th wedding anniversary, and we made our way to Rome. And sure, we visited uh, St. Peter's Basilica, you know, at the Vatican, St. Paul's Basilica, which is even equally impressive, but not as visited. And then uh, one of the other large basilicas in Rome is St. John Lateran. And while Luther was there, he chose to climb the steps of the Scala Sancta, the holy stairs. Those stairs that St. Helena in the fourth century brought from Jerusalem to Rome as a, a Catholic relic. Those stairs that Jesus climbed up the praetorium when he went on trial before Pilate, okay? And back in Luther's time and leading up to that time, uh, a pious Catholic priest would travel uh, to St. John Lateran and uh, walk up on their knees the 28 white marble steps as a, uh, uh, an act of ritualistic penance. 
believing that if they did that, they would gain favor with God. And so Luther, in 1510, makes the journey. He starts crawling up the holy stairs. By the way, I, I, I have bad knees. I couldn't even go up one or two of them. My wife got up to, I don't know, 10, maybe 15, and, and she couldn't go anywhere. Very, very painful. Luther got all the way to the top, and history tells us when he got to the top, the phrase, the righteous shall live by faith, struck his heart like a thunderbolt. And he ran down the stairs, hastened to Wittenberg, and nailed his 95 theses to the church in that city, and thus began the Protestant Reformation, where the clarion call of the Protestant Reformation was by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's not Christ plus climbing up the holy stairs on your knees to gain favor with God. This is an, a pivotal phrase in Scripture. Abraham learned that, right, that righteousness came by faith by faith alone, Habakkuk learned in the midst of a confused faith with, you know, the expectations of life and uh, not lining up to his experience, that he's going to have to walk by faith. The righteous live by faith. The righteous live with a lot of unanswered questions. You're going to have to watch and wait, wait and watch. God has a plan that takes us all the way to the end of the age, but the answers may not come into clear focus until then. And maybe never in this life, only in the life to come. Chapter 2, verses 6 through 20, the Lord pivots, and there are six woes, words of warning now to the Chaldeans, to the Babylonians that he's going to use to discipline his own kids and carry them off into captivity. For example, woe to him who heaps up what is not his own, because you have plundered many nations. All the remnant of the peoples shall plunder you. The Lord's saying this to the Chaldeans. And he goes on in so many ways to say, the Lord will now plunder the plunderers. Imagine this, now as an act of divine sovereignty, the Lord is going to use the Babylonians to discipline his kids, and then he's going to turn around and hold the ancient Babylonians accountable for their wickedness and their cruelty to his kids. And you say, well, how, 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 how's that even fair? Only a sovereign God can do that. Only a sovereign God who can balance the scales of justice in his time. That brings us to chapter 3. <laughs> And without chapter 3, Habakkuk would just leave us in a state of, well, confused faith in chapter 1 and a waiting faith in chapter 2. But I love, I love chapter 3 because it's all about a triumphant faith. And in chapter 3, Habakkuk's faith turns a corner. He experiences a breakthrough. The dark clouds of doubt and despair begin lifting. He prays. Chapter 3 is a prayer. And he prays with a sense of expectation that God will do something incredible in his day. And this prayer is really meant to be put to music. Again, an indication that he might have been a worship leader writing some lyrics for a song to sing. Chapter 3 and verse 1. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shagayanoth. What is that? Well, maybe a musical notation here. 
Uh, Lord, listen to this. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. You see the shift in his tone? Gone are the questions. Now he's standing in awe of this sovereign God who will do what he will do in his way, in his time, who is not obligated to answer our questions, but will in kindness, you know, uh, participate in a conversation here, but will always encourage us to trust me. Trust me. Walk by faith. He stands in awe of what the Lord is about to do. However, uh, he, he also remembers what the Lord has done in the past. He goes down a trip down, uh, I call it a biblical memory lane, and uh, remembers what the Lord has done. We've studied a lot of what the Lord did for his people in the Old Testament, and we've gone through a lot of those stories. And uh, he, he's saying to the Lord, Lord, I, I'm in awe of what you have done, but I need you to do it again in my time, in our time, uh, make it known. He kind of reminds me of uh, Chicago Cubs baseball fans. Um, you know, in 2016, the Cubs won the World Series. I know this because my Something Good Radio producer, Steve, lives in Chicago, and he is a rabid Cubs fan. He's the kind of Cubs fan that up until 2016 was still rooting for the Cubs, even though the last time prior to 2016 that the Cubs had won the World Series was 100 years ago. 100 years ago. You gotta be a real faithful Cubs fan to hang in there with them year after year after year when they don't even have a playoff berth, let alone a World Series win, right? That's the definition of a fan. But have you ever read the Bible? Read all these great stories about what God did in the Old Testament, come into the New Testament, and wow, there's resurrection power, there's all this stuff happening in the early church, and you're just saying, Lord, do it again. I stand in awe of who you are. I'm just, I'm just amazed by what you have done. But I, I'm at a place where I need you to do it again in my time. That's, that's Habakkuk's prayer. And in verses 3 through 15... He uh, glories in the Lord's past triumphs on behalf of his people, starting with the time of Exodus and forward. He remembers how the Lord delivered them from Egyptian slavery. Remember that story in the book of Exodus? Then he recalls the miraculous Red Sea crossing. He also recalls the time the sun stood still, so Joshua had an hour more of daylight to win the victory in the valley. What a great story that was in the book of Joshua. And on and on and on, uh, Habakkuk remembers uh, the glory days of the Lord. And, and then finally, the book climaxes with the prophet's faith soaring to new heights. We meet him in chapter one, he's got a confused faith. In chapter two, it's a, it's a waiting faith, watching and waiting like a watchman on the wall. But now his faith soars to new heights. Uh, Habakkuk admits that his heart trembles and his lips quiver at even the thought of the Babylonians invading them. Understandably so. However, he's come to a place where he rests in the sovereignty of God. 
and his faith is renewed. He's, he's waiting also for the day that God will judge the invading enemy, as he promised he would, but he's going to have to watch and wait. He's going to have to wait and watch. And then Habakkuk records some of the most triumphant words of faith you will find anywhere in the Bible. Dr. Rod Jones will be right back with the second half of today's message, Habakkuk, Why God? Remember, you can stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to find out more about the ministry, to ask our ministry team to pray for you, or to order selected resource from our online store. Here's something else for you. When you make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we'll say thank you by giving you access to a new resource that goes along with this current series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. It's Dr. Ron Jones' ebook that covers the 12 minor prophets of the Old Testament, Hosea through Malachi. Request it today for your gift to Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. Mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456, or call our offices at 757-276-1099. Now let's rejoin Ron for the rest of today's message. Habakkuk, why God? Rivet your attention now on chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, and read them. Follow along as I read. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. He's not done. The sovereign Lord is my strength, he declares. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. It doesn't get any more beautiful than this, friends. It doesn't get any more triumphant than this. Basically, Habakkuk is saying, listen, I have all these expectations in life. I have questions. I, I, I dreamed and envisioned how things would work out in my life for our, our marriage and our family and for our kids and for my career and all of this. But even if none of that happens, if everything falls apart, if the fig tree does not bud, if there are no cattle in the stalls, if I lose my job, uh, my health becomes a wreck, if my life seems to be cut short, if nothing that I anticipated in life ever comes true, Yet I will still rejoice in the Lord. God, I'm still on your team. That is a powerful faith. Habakkuk really didn't have his questions answered. Other than the Lord saying, I, I got it under control. The righteous shall live by faith. And when we live by faith, here's what the Lord does. Verse 19. He makes us like a fleet-footed a fleet deer. He gives us hind's feet for high places. You know, a, a deer has what's called hind's feet. God has created them in a remarkable way. And, and the way their, their feet and their hooves are made, uh, they're able to climb to high places, even in rocky, mountainous areas, because when their front hooves go forward, their back hooves follow perfectly in the, in the same footprint, same step. It's called hind's feet. And the hind's feet 
that God gave a deer enables them to go to high places. And what Habakkuk is saying here is that, that faith, my faith now in the sovereign God of Israel, who will do what he says he will do in his time and in his way, and under no obligation to explain himself to me. But when I put my faith and trust in him, that faith catapults me to higher and higher places. And the higher I go, you ever notice this? When you climb a mountain and you get up higher, your perspective changes. Your perspective changes. You may not have all the answers to your questions, but your perspective changes enough to take one more step of faith, one more lap of faith. Uh, the sovereign Lord is my strength, he says. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Listen, friend, I, I don't know how life has disappointed you. I don't know how your expectations have gone unmet. I don't know what questions you cannot resolve in your heart. Maybe you're trying to define life backward. <laughs> And like the philosopher, live life forward and it ain't working for you. I, I, I don't know, but here, here's what I do know. Rather than despairing, learn from the prophet who embraced God amid his troubles. His name means one who embraces. He went from a confused faith that had a lot of questions, good questions, legitimate questions, to a waiting faith. And that's where we spend most of our time, right? Watching and waiting, waiting and watching. You know, just, just wait, waiting to see what the Lord will do. Uh, much of the, the, the prophecies of the Old Testament, God's peop, chosen people, the Israelites, waited for centuries for Messiah to come. Most of them lived their lives and died waiting and watching. They were waiting and watching in the first century. After 400 years of silence, not a prophet after Malachi, waiting and watching, waiting in faith, trusting that what God promised and prophesied would come true. We're waiting in faith for the second coming of Christ. We're waiting all the way to the end of the age and, and banking on what the Lord has said here. From a confused faith to a waiting faith to a triumphant faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've heard the word of God today and it's meant to fill up our faith tank, right? Your faith faltering today, too many doubts, too many dark, despairing clouds. Hear the word of the Lord and choose to believe it. And when the Lord gives you more faith, guess what? He gives you those feet like a deer, and that faith takes you to higher places where it changes your perspective, and suddenly the questions are not as important anymore. We, he keeps testing our faith, doesn't he? Why? Because he wants to take us to higher and higher places. He is high and exalted. We'll never get to that exalted place in this life, and so he keeps bringing the test of faith keeps asking us to trust him, even though we don't have 
full answers to all of our questions. But the more perspective we get in that higher place, the less the questions are important to us until one day he takes us home and all of the questions that we have uh, evaporate because then we have perfect knowledge. But between now and then, it's, it's a walk of faith, sometimes a confused faith, most of the time a waiting faith, always a triumphing faith. As we remember what the Lord has done in the past, ask him to do it again today, and just, um, just commit to him that, Lord, even if all of my best plans, uh, the deepest desires of my heart even if you don't give me the promotion I had hoped to have, even if I, you know, my investments evaporate, even if life doesn't turn out exactly the way I had hoped to, I'm still going to trust you. Even if the Babylonians come and invade and we go into captivity for 70 years, I, I'm going to trust you're going to take care of this cruel brutal regime but I'm going to keep trusting you I'm going to walk by faith because the righteous the righteous shall walk by faith thanks so much for being with us for today's something good radio message Habakkuk why God and Dr. Ron Jones joins me in the studio. Ron, I love what the book of Habakkuk tells us about these three stages of faith, the confusion, the waiting, and finally the triumphant faith that trusts God in spite of our questions and our season of waiting on God to act. Let's talk about some practical lessons we can take from Habakkuk and apply to our own lives. Let me start with this, Brian, because I think it will help drive the point home about these three stages of faith you just mentioned. Let's call them wondering, waiting, and winning, starting with wondering faith. Well, we all have questions for God, things we don't understand that cause confusion or cause us to be perplexed in some way. Then comes the waiting faith. This is a period of time between our question and God's answer or God's action. And finally, winning faith. This is the triumphant faith I was talking about today. When we arrive at a point of total trust in God, whether he answers us or not, whether he acts or not. It's uh, reminiscent of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who basically said, we believe God will rescue us from this fiery furnace and let us live, but we will worship him and him alone, even if he lets us die. That's winning faith, Brian, triumphant faith. So wondering, waiting, winning. Brian, let's uh, think a little more about this thing we call winning faith. Part of what winning faith looks like is that we extend the same grace to others that God extended to us. We stop demanding swift and immediate justice from God against the purveyors of evil, and instead we develop a complete and total trust in both the sovereignty of God and the goodness of God. The wondering faith and the waiting faith are the kinds of faith that ultimately stem from the Garden of Eden. And here, here's what I mean by that. This, this describes what I want. Here's what I expect. Uh, but winning faith, Brian, triumphant faith, manifests itself in the Garden of Gethsemane when we truly arrive at a place in which we say, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. 
That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts on what genuine faith looks like as seen in Chapter 3 of the Book of Habakkuk. Before we leave for the weekend, tell us what's coming our way Monday as you continue your teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. You know, Brian, one of the things I've noticed, and perhaps you've noticed too, is that we rarely talk about sin anymore, rarely connect the harsh realities of life as a consequence to sinful actions against God. Maybe it's too negative or too shameful. Well, I believe in in teaching the whole counsel of God, which is one of the reasons why I launched this series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. And our next stop is the book of Zephaniah. It's a book about the sin of man and the wrath of God. But it's also a book about the blessings of God. It's a message we all need to hear and one we don't hear often enough. And you can hear that message next time when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Zephaniah, Wrath and Blessing. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.